Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001. And you just heard intro music from Max Russo, class of 2020. Today's guest is Kelsey Jeb, formerly Kelsey Saner from the class of 2012. Full disclosure, Kelsey's dad, Dave Saner, is one of my favorite people on the planet, mentor, collaborator, and great friend. I'll take every opportunity to say it. Today, we'll hear about Kelsey's journey from Winfield Elementary to WeGo to Calvin College to certified physician assistant and what it is like to practice medicine during COVID. Welcome. Today's guest is Kelsey Jeb, formerly Kelsey Saner from the class of 2012. Kelsey, what do you do? Right now, I work as a family medicine physician assistant at an outpatient clinic called Crusader Community Health in Rockford, Illinois. We have eight locations, and I work at one of them. Um, So you may wonder what a physician assistant or PA, often abbreviated, is. Uh, So we're medical providers who have a, a slightly different path than a physician to get to where we are. We see all of our own patients. I order all my own tests and MRIs and order all my own medications. But I wasn't in school as long, so I get to work really closely with my collaborating doctor who my license is tied to. Maybe three or four times a day, I'll ask her a quick question like, oh, would you recheck this lab first? Or And, and the physician I work with is great, so I owe her a lot. Um, and I think most PAs would say the same thing as I do. Um, a great thing about a PA is we save the healthcare system money because we're not in school as long. You don't have to pay us as much. Um, so that's a big trend in healthcare. Um, do you mind if I tell you a little bit about kind of a a typical day? I'll have so many follow-up questions. Please do. (laughs) Okay. Um, so one of the things that I love about the clinic where I work is we're a federally qualified health center or a community health center. So we serve a lot of low-income patients. And I think a story is the best way to kind of describe what that looks like. So in the bottom, the first floor of our building, there's a Walgreens. And we have a special um, grant that we have reduced pricing there. So most of our patients will pick up their meds right in the Walgreens in the building. And I uh, a week ago, I had one of the casework nurses come up to me saying, Kelsey, this guy, we'll call him Ben. He is finally here in the clinic. Walgreens called me. I've been trying to track him down for six months um, because he hasn't been seen. Will you put him in your schedule right now? And I said, oh, sure, bring him up. Um, so this guy is in his 50s. He has type 1 diabetes and has high blood pressure and some kidney disease and a heart murmur and hasn't been seen since July was the last time I saw him. Um, So he comes up and is like, oh, I'm just here to get my medications refilled. And I was like, all right, well, let's go over what you're taking now. His blood pressure was pretty high. Um, And he's like, well, it's just high because someone was making me really mad right before I walked in. And I was like, okay, that a lot of people feel that their blood pressure is high because of that. Um, and so he pulls out his bottles, the labels of which had all been worn out and were illegible, but he was able to tell me, oh, I take a half one of that once a day and I take that one. And he had five meds and was taking them actually all correctly based on the last time I had seen him. Um, but his blood pressure was still high. So we made a couple changes, um, 
and figured out with a pill identifier, like Google search, like which med was which. Um, and we were just talking a little bit about what was going on with him and his diet and listened to his heart and realized his murmur had gotten a lot louder. So got to order some tests, um, knew that we weren't going to be able to get a hold of him. So I had him come back a week later and we went over his blood work results and his blood pressure came down and he's doing much better. And I'll see him again in another couple of weeks and just make sure he's totally on track because we're still kind of um, tinkering with a couple things. Um, so I think that's just a really cool example of getting to know a patient and he feels like he can trust me and he's actually doing a really good job, which I'm so impressed by. If I was um, homeless and had all these meds, I don't think I could do that. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I love about my job is getting to meet with people who are in a hard spot. It seems like that is something that's such a difficult thing to procure or get good at, which is how do you get comfortable to have those conversations, those tough conversations with patients about what they must do uh, for their health, uh, for their health uh, and all of that. Was that something that, um, that you get a type of training uh, in your, uh, during your study of medicine about how to develop that bedside manner or um, trust and relationships? How does that work? I think it's a lot of trial and error and you, um, when you're in school, which I'll talk about a little bit later, you get to every six weeks, I worked with a different provider. So I worked with a lot of PAs or nurse practitioners. I worked with a lot of physicians and you, um, I kept notes through it. Like, what do I want my practice to look like? Um, how do do I want to be, some people are really, um, stern with their patients. That's not my personality. I don't think that it, so for some people that works well, that's not how I operate. I don't like yelling at people and telling them they did a bad job and they need to um, kind of buckle down or they're going to die. Um, I like trying to kind of more gently build a relationship, um, but it's a lot of trial and error and realizing what works. And some patients really don't like me and I'm, I've gotten a lot better in the year and a half of, of being at my job of kind of being okay with that. But that's, that's hard to find peace with. Oh, for, for sure. And I, yeah. I was wondering, another uh, part of that is the, you know, being a PA and being in medicine, you're almost, I mean, you're, you're also part detective too, right? So people might come in with a general uh, complaint about their health, but you have to really drill down and find the, uh, the root cause uh, of this. Uh, how does that, I guess there's a, the word for it is like a heuristic, right? There's a, a branch of asking questions about how to mm. really drill down and get that. Um, is there like a, is there a methodology or is there a way in which you're trained to do And I know it's, you know, that's all medicine, but I'm curious to know, like when a patient comes in with a general complaint, how do you begin to assess? Uh, and what is that kind of, what is that process like? Yeah. So I, in broad brushstrokes, you start with asking the details about what's most important to the patient. Um, our appointments now are, are only 15 minutes for most people. Um, and sometimes people want to talk about seven or eight things and trying to, um, to build with them that 
you want to let's have them pick one thing and I'll pick one thing. Like with the patient that I was just talking about, he really, um, he wanted to know about his sugar and I was really um, caring about his blood pressure. And then there are a lot of others like we need to get labs and check your kidney function. I need to order this test because your heart murmur got louder. I also want to know, um, do you have a safe place to sleep at night? Um, so trying to focus on one thing at a time takes just practice and patience that the patient will hopefully come back and you'll do a couple more things the next time. Um, yeah. So when do you think you started your path to become uh, uh, a career of medicine? So the way that I was raised in a home where exercise is really important and health and healthy eating is really important, um, I think was probably the start of me really being passionate about wanting other people to have um, parts of that experience. I want them to feel better and have more energy and sleep better. And um, and so I think it started there of having that to start. So, so really young. Um, and then I knew I wanted to go into medicine and I wasn't exactly sure what that would look like. Initially, I thought it would look like going to medical school. So I was a biochem major in undergraduate, um, went to a small liberal arts school called Calvin, had a great experience there. Um, it's so cool to be in a new city and see a new place and just get to grow. Then when I was there, I, um, at some point switched over from med school into deciding to go to uh, PA school. And there were a lot of reasons why I made that decision. I, I talked to a lot of people um, who have experience on both sides of some people who were physicians, family friends, or people that my mom knew, who their daughter, their like, um, very distant relatives. Um, had to happen to be in medical school and I e emailed a lot of people questions. So just trying to learn about what was going to be a better fit for me. I thought a lot about what kind of lifestyle do I want? A nice thing about being a PA, at least where I work and for a lot of family medicine PAs, I work um, 40 hours a week in the clinic and I maybe have 10 hours of charting on a busy week. Um, but I don't have to take any call, and that fits really well with also getting to have a life outside of the clinic. Um, you graduate from school, and you don't have seven years of debt, um, which was important to me because I knew it would be stressful to um, have a lot of debt and need to think about paying that off. I ended up along the way learning about a program called the Na National Health Service Corps, which if you want to go into medicine in an underserved area, which the area that I work is one of the areas of highest need in the state of Illinois, then you can apply for this program. And if you um, your application is approved, you'll get $50,000 of loans paid off by um, working there for two years. So it's something I would really encourage a lot of people to look into if you're thinking about going to medical school or PA school and you know you want to go into medicine in an underserved area and work in primary care.
Um, yeah. What, what other questions do you have? Explain, how did you know that you wanted to take this career of medicine? So pretty uniquely, I've always wanted to be in medicine. Um, for a lot of people, they kind of figure it out along the way, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. I love the vulnerability of working with someone's health, um, with their physical health, and I love the intellectual challenge of that um, and how working with someone's physical health often opens doors to also help them with their their social health, with their emotional health. I love the way that it's connected. It's it's just really fascinating to, fascinating to me and has been for a long time. Um, I think part of that is um, my faith is part of that. Uh, healing is something that's really attractive to me. Um, I love being around people who actually need the help, and that's been a reason that I've been drawn to work in an underserved area. Um, I really love learning, and I um, have always been okay with needing to go to a lot of school. Um, so I think those are reasons why I ended up in medicine. So let's start with maybe what happened in, like, uh, was there something that maybe um, created a kind of a nudge in high school or and then that led you uh, to Calvin College and beyond? What was that? Well, the reason that I ended up going to Calvin for school was um, not because they had a great pre-health program, but because I wanted to go to a small supportive school where I would get to um, really learn. And I think for me, that was a really good decision. I wasn't in a big lecture hall where I didn't know the professor, but I was in a room with 30 other students. Um, And the medicine piece, I'm not sure. I, I can't really explain why it clicked, but when I was about 10, it just sort of did. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Now, if you could maybe describe a little bit more about that small college uh, experience, I think a lot of people would like to know um, why that, that was even mo- more so such a good fit for you. So if you go to a really big school, it's a cool part of that is you get to be in a college town and have that experience. Um, and I think you can go visit some friends for a couple of weekends and kind of get that. Um, and what I was really looking for is a place where I could learn well, um, that I could get to know my professors. I had one of my 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 organic chemistry professor who um, that was one of my hardest courses, my sophomore year of school. And, and as you're preparing to go to medical school, that's one of the kind of more dreaded classes for a lot of people um, just because it's really rigorous. And um, she sat down with me and was like, Kelsey, you, you look nervous. You (laughs) seem like you're trying to prove yourself. Um, Like you're smart enough to do this. Don't, don't be so afraid. Enjoy your time here. Um, and I felt like she really, she cared enough to say that. And at a, a lot of big schools, no one's going to notice that. So that was really helpful to me. That um, Especially something I like organic chemistry. And, you know, even yeah. from afar, I've always heard that that's the... Um, that's the, the, the weed out class for people. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you're not really sure you want a career in science or medicine, 
chemistry. Organic yeah. is, is the one that'll choke you out. Yeah, but the cool part for me as a biochem major is so in organic chemistry, you learn all the intricacies of where where are the carbon atoms and you I drew out so many molecules on a little whiteboard and then in the next year of class which is biochemistry that class was taught for me um, for a full year by a professor who does a lot of cancer research hmm. and he just took it to life he was like okay well this is why this is important and had he knew a lot of the students in the class were going into healthcare and so he gave us a lot of examples of how does chemotherapy work and why does the where the carbon atom matter and how does the half-life of a drug change based on where the nitrogen group is so it's all worth it it's a lot of work but uh, yeah i i loved the process the your 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 time at Calvin also allowed you to do some traveling. Uh, could you uh, talk about your your travel abroad experience in learning medicine? Yeah, so Calvin has a January term. There's four week uh, a four week break in January where you get to um, go somewhere. So I went to Malawi uh, with a group of. 10 other students and and there were two residents with us and someone's dad was a family med doctor and then we went with a surgeon. We got to go to two different clinics that were already very well established in Malawi and I got to spend a lot of time in the delivery ward. I learned a lot about cultural differences and a lot about how sometimes we think about um, Americans going into a place and trying to do lots of surgery and and helping out the local people. And the trip for me was quite different than that. We we did go and we did do some hernia repairs. And I realized pretty quickly that I didn't really like being in the operating room where I really wanted to be was I wanted to be with the women and the children. I wanted to be meeting the midwives who were all men. And they were really incredible guys. The guy who taught me how to deliver a baby said some nights he'll by himself deliver 18 babies. Um, and was that that your first experience maybe then delivering babies then when, when you were in Malawi? Yes. And there were many other people there and I wasn't by myself very gratefully. Um, but it's really, for me, it's really special to get to be there. It's an incredible experience, which, you know, as, having two kids <laughs> for sure um so then so you had a great experience uh in malawi and then you had to then continue on after uh calvin uh to be even more specific in your pa uh training what was that like so if i back up a little bit applying to pa school is a little bit um tricky to navigate because there are all of these programs cropping up all around the country that all have different classifications. And this is one of the reasons why it's important to try and figure out where you're headed at the beginning of school, even when you start going to college, Uh, because all of the programs, some require uh, two years of psychology and sociology and classes you wouldn't necessarily think of for needing to go to PA school. So I got all the, I decided where I wanted to apply, got all the prereq classes, um, 
took my GRE, applied to Midwestern. It's very competitive. Lots of people will not get in the first try I did. And I honestly don't think I could really tell you why, but sometimes that just happens. Um, so a lot of people will end up applying to, um, maybe two or three years in a row. I went to Med Midwestern in Downers Grove, and there are two phases of PA school. The first year is really, really intense. The first day of um, anatomy and physiology, the professor said, you guys as PA students we're, are going to learn 70% of what the med students learn in 50% of the time. Um, and it, you just kind of buckle your seatbelts and you learn what you can. And then, like I was saying earlier, the second part of class of the course is you get to go and every six weeks you're in a different rotation. So you'll get to be in the ER and be with a geriatrician, so someone who sees older adults. You'll be with a pediatrician, with an obstetrician who sees uh, helps deliver babies. Uh, you'll get to pick a couple electives based on where you go to school. Uh, I got to pick two of mine, so I picked um, to rotate at the place where I now work, which is in community medicine. And then I also picked to work in, um, in, in a GI group, which rotated in the hospital. So not many people get to try a new job every six weeks and learn who they like working with and what kind of office dynamics they're, they're looking for. And there's just a lot of medicine to learn. So learning how to treat high blood pressure and diabetes and yeah, I could keep going. Was, was community health, uh, a, a, was that far and away your number one or was it kind of, were you kind of torn between two different, um, paths? So I didn't know what community medicine was until I was probably three years ago um, thinking about where I wanted to do my elective rotations. And I learned based on someone who is now one of my coworkers. He came and presented to my program and said, oh, we have this really cool clinic and here's what we're about. And um, he just told us about about Crusader, um, which is where I work now. And and I thought, huh, you know what, that I knew I wanted to work in primary care. And I knew I wanted to do that in an area of need. And I just didn't know what it was called until I found community medicine. Now, if, if there was a way for us to kind of think, because it's always part of reflection is always important about thinking about what your next move is. In hmm. learning how how did how did you know what your your strengths or aptitudes were that made you comfortable pursuing medicine hmm. so i knew that i liked school and i think that was really important i knew that i could learn in a lot of situations and that i was comfortable going to a lot of school um I knew I liked being with people. I knew I wanted to not sit behind a desk all day. Uh, I think that those are the reasons. What are you working on now, especially now that we're in this kind of COVID moment? Uh, what's work like for you now during the, co the, the COVID era that we're in? Sure. So we're um, doing a lot of telemedicine 
which has lots of challenges and advantages when I call people for their encounters. Some people have their kids screaming in the background. And so um, I'm learning how to adjust to that. And it, just like in, in other areas of medicine, needing to be flexible is really important. Um, we've started something called an open air treatment center and which lots of people have probably seen driving by other clinics or hospitals. We don't have a negative pressure room or a room where you, it will suck all of the germs out and make sure that the adjacent rooms aren't contaminated. So instead, anyone who has a cough, a fever, have been exposed to COVID, may or may likely have COVID, we're seeing them outside. So we have a couple hours a day where I have patients scheduled to see outside. We're trying to do as much as we can, even with those patients over the phone. So we'll call them earlier that day and try and get the story of what's going on. I'll print off their medication list and try and have things together as much as I can. Then the nurse and I will go out into this big tent that has um, the sides off and I'll um, do my best to evaluate the patient outside. It is um, some days surprisingly hard to hear with the wind whipping or we had snow some days. Um, so yeah, that's the new adventure of working at Crusader right now. So my kind of concluding questions with this are always like, what excites you and what can, how do you continue to learn and challenge yourself? I love seeing my patients get better. And that is really exciting to me. Um, there's this blood marker called the A1C and that shows you the, the, the A1C molecule lives for 120 days. So it'll show you in the last three months approximately how well controlled your blood sugar has been. And when you're, you're following with a diabetic, it, maybe initially their A1C is 12. And the goal is to get it to less than seven. And even the next month, if you can get it down to 10 and a half, um, the patient's really excited, you're really excited, and, and that really builds a bridge and a therapeutic relationship between the two of you. And it's a, a great launching pad to continue to see them get better. That's got to be so... That's got to be just yeah. so exciting, you know, to, to see goals met uh, together and, you know, and then just that kind of progressive move forward with people's health. That's just got to be so enriching and, and amazing. Um, mm -hmm. So, Kelsey, can you leave our Wildcats with any tips for success, words of wisdom? Oh, for sure. So I mentioned it earlier to try and talk to as many people in the field that you want to go into as you can, because you just can't know enough about uh, what are the options and maybe you'll learn about this um, kind of obscure branch of something like I did, like community medicine um, that you had never heard about, but you would never know about it if you didn't talk to people and try it. Um, so talk to people um, before and during the process. I think it's really important to have a learner attitude. And even in setbacks, a lot of um, classmates of mine have had things happen along the way, like family members get sick or um, financial struggles or not getting into school. And 
trying to really take things in stride and realizing that uh, life will happen and that learning from those experiences is going to help you in the moment and it's going to help the people that you're working with later. So that's something that I'm still learning how to do. That's great. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And uh, we're so happy that you continue to be uh, helping out the community and keep safe. Thank you. You as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you want to find past episodes, go to Apple Music, Podcasts, and search We Go Vox.